0: Hey, Keith, have you seen those uh, promo shots of Mark Hamill on the, the show Nightfall? It's uh, about the fall of the Knights Templar after after the Crusades. Mark looks all, he has a long beard, he's all grizzled, he's got like this coat of armor, which is kind of cool.
1: Wait a minute, he's a grizzled old knight? Is he just going to disappear at the end? Too soon, Keith. That's too soon.
0: The following is
2: a presentation... ...of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into.
0: I say, let them crack. Geek Counter
2: Geek with Keith Conrad
0: and Elliot Serrato.
1: Gentlemen, you can't fight in here. This is the war room.
0: Well, maybe it's one of those other shows, like Outer Limits. Confuse
2: the Twilight Zone with the Outer Limits? Do you even know me?
1: Geek counter yeah. geek number one on Keith Conrad, joined by uh, Elliot Serrano,
0: as always. Wow, that odometer just keeps clicking, do not it? I, it uh, how many miles have we? I had no idea that this that this Chevy could go this many miles.
1: Well, it's been in the shop a couple times. In so, the shop, yeah, yeah. The
0: struts kind of you know need some work. Got the, the, the brakes,
1: the, the Fetzer valve, but it's all ball bearings these days.
0: I know, and it is just falling out. <laughs>
1: So you can follow the show on at uh, GeekCounterGeek on Twitter, uh, Facebook.com slash GeekCounterGeek. I'm Keith R. Conrad. You're Elliot Serrano with pretty two much L. two of every letter. You're, you're like the Noah of letters. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you got to save them vowels. So, you know, If you ever wonder how the, the vowels make it to Jeopardy when you buy a vowel, you got to come to me.
1: I, th- I think that's Wheel of Fortune where you buy vowels because Jeopardy is oh, the right. one with the, right. the questions yeah. that are
0: backwards. Pat Sajak and I have not been talking. So I'm no, just, he's
1: he's got some. I'm going He's got over, some hot takes. Yeah, I'm going that, that over Pat that Pat Sajak. Yeah, Pat. Damn it. Who who knew that uh, going into things that Pat Sajak? Pat Sajak had, had such hot takes.
0: Well, remember when he had that talk show that everyone thought he was going to be the next big talk show host?
1: Yeah, because he was always you know the friendly uh, friendly guy from Wheel of Fortune and yeah. Then and,
0: then and then and then what happened? I mean, even even he even Arsenio outlasted him.
1: Well, at least he uh, he beat Chevy Chase. He's still got that going for him.
0: No one wants to work with Chevy Chase, though. No, nobody one. wants to work with him. He's just an angry, bitter old man. I think the only people who would work with Chevy Chase are people who like working with angry, bitter old men. so I, I guess what? Right wing radio? i I think that works. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'll probably
1: end up working with them at some point.
0: <laughs> see, I was trying to make this like, like a, a, a Try, trying to be subtle, subtle about it. No, subtle. I just, I just, like I just a, say it. It's like the subtweet of podcasting. You know, not coming out and saying it. Yeah. But you know, I there are days when I just look at you and I shake my head and I just feel so bad for you, Keith. I really do. Yeah. I see I... that hellscape that you live in. What did you do in a past life?
1: I I, I wonder that every day. It it must have been something like I, I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I, I actually find out what it is because it's got to be good.
0: Oh, Keith Keith is the is the classic when bad stuff happens to good people. It's just it or,
1: is, when, when bad stuff happens to mediocre people. I don't I don't I I don't do, 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 uh, know that I'd go good. Let's, uh, you're a decent
0: person. You're oh, a decent. Well, well guy. thank you, Elliot. You're a decent guy. I think you're a decent guy. I'm the bad person. I mean if everyone's gonna be bad, it's gonna be me. Um, you know?
1: So we, we actually have a
0: guest this week. We do, we do. It's uh, uh, we. He's probably scared off by now. I know he's watching our banter and wondering what the hell's going on here. But um, uh, yeah, uh, today Geek Counter Geek has only our second guest, right? I think so. Yeah, I think John. Cl- I forgot that John Clark was on our show once. When we were doing um, the, uh, the the recording at the the, uh, the gaming place, yeah,
1: bonus uh, round, bonus like round cafe, and
0: he just came in and hung out with us, and I couldn't tell if I was on Geek Counter Geek or Caffeinated Comics. My my brain just kept switching between mm-hmm. both shows, looking at you and him. And we wait, wait a minute, what, what? What? okay, uh, but yes, today we have uh, Todd Allen, who is a writer. Uh, columnist, and um, if you follow him on, um, on social media, you'll hear him kind of uh, 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 talking about lots of different things, including the NBA. Now, I'm going to ask how someone who can write um, mystery novels, fiction, um, fantasy, also write about the San Antonio Spurs. Where, where does that come from?
2: Well, when I was in grad school... I had the best college job ever. I talked my way into being a Knicks columnist and a Liberty columnist for one of the New York weeklies, a New York resident. I don't think they actually have weeklies in New York anymore, but at the time it was the third one behind The Voice and the Press.
0: So you were, dry, wait, uh, the, what what era of the Knicks were you writing about them? Just as
1: Isaiah turned up for oh. the first time. Oh, well, that was a pretty good time to be writing about the Knicks then.
2: Yeah, I. Uh, used to make mac the knife jokes about his smile
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, oh, oh. you know i i I, I don't want to get into things so you know you don't want to talk too much about people in sports because you never know where you're going to be working with them again that's true you know that's true so oh you mean alex quickly yeah oh oh, wow i know alex no alex is a good guy too but although man talk about bad things happening to good people
1: yeah, I mean, he's the poster child for that.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, Alex, poor Alex. Alex, if you're listening to this, buddy, I, f- I feel Alex is behind is featured, for those who don't know, Alex is featured in one of the most popular YouTube videos having to do with sports hosts getting fired and learning about it on the air. By the way, funny story,
1: as that was happening, that video is happening. I was down the hall getting fired. Oh, jeez! So, <laughs> so, so I could watch the video. And go, yeah. This is the moment, right about there.
0: now. Yeah, this it's like uh, like the red wedding. Yeah, it's like that's essentially what it was. Yeah, um, it's, it's
2: one thing to get paid not to broadcast. It's another thing to get paid in thoughts and prayers not to broadcast. Yeah, really. I think that's where he's at right now. Poor Alex.
0: Poor guy. But uh, 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 Alex, you know, we we know he'll end on his feet. Um, but yeah, so, but then you transition from, well, you're doing that. You've also done writing for other columns. I know um, I got to know you when you were writing for The Beat. Uh, it was Publishers Weekly. At, uh, no, uh, well,
2: it was Publishers Weekly, then The Beat. Then The Beat. I was actually at Comic Book Resources before that. Right. And I, before that, I used to write for The Tribune. The
0: Tribune, that's right. And you wrote a web comic for Chicago Now. Right. Called the, well, it was... Uh, Division uh, and Rush. Division and Rush, but it was also known as, a, well, I called it The Murder Professor.
2: Yeah, that was the first story
0: arc. The Murder Professor, which was, if you ask me, uh, Keith, Um. um how to? What's it? The show that how to commit
2: the how, perfect how murderers get caught.
0: Yeah, really. But the, the show the, the it's how to commit the perfect
2: murder. Oh, the, um, the one I'm not going to watch because I might get upset.
0: Yes. Uh, remember that there was the 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 television show about a a, law, a professor teaching about how you. Oh
1: yeah, it's on. Uh, I, I on think ABC. it's still on. Is it yeah. Yeah. on ABC? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, I remember when that show came on, I was going, "Wait, that's that's the murder professor. That's Todd's show." And I even remember thinking. I thought Todd landed like a
2: television deal and I hadn't heard about it. I I haven't actually watched it, but the thing that was a little disturbing, I would start out the chapters of the comic and there would be the uh, fellow who they couldn't quite convict drawing very crudely on a chalkboard the various uh, ways people get caught killing people. Mm -hmm. The the joke being, uh, well, if you go to this, you know how people get caught, so well, you know, maybe you do it right. (laughs) <laughs> but they had a, a chalkboard uh, promotion for all the ads on that, and it looked a lot like the opening page of the comic. Well, it was, it, the it funny thing is, odd.
1: so so obviously your your comic was was long before the TV show, and it you know like when you look at the day like the Murder Professor versus How to Get Away with Murder, like How to oh, Get Away with Murder suddenly sounds like a cheap ripoff of
2: <laughs> the Murder it's, Professor. It's most likely just. Uh, spontaneous people getting away with murders—not exactly a new idea. That's that's the mystery genre. Uh, yeah. By the way, my uh, favorite uh, Alfred Hitchcock Presents episode
1: is the uh, the one where the uh, wife kills her husband with a leg of lamb, oh, sticks yes. it in the oven, and then serves it to the police investigating that's, her uh, husband's murder. That's adapted
2: from a doll story, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, he, he James could, and the Giant Peach. He could, he and could the get dark. Thing. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. His his adult stuff is. Uh, Hitchcock can do some stuff with it, let's put it that way. <laughs> I always like the one where they've got uh, Christopher Lee's death.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, uh, what? No, for, for some reason, I was thinking that was a Twilight Zone. Really, I evolved. people should know better than that.
0: <laughs> it's in the open. Yeah. Come on. It's, well, no, it's a good thing we didn't think it was an Outer Limits episode. Exactly. Yeah, then that, you that, cue that. Yeah, that's
1: exactly that. what I was thinking.
0: Yeah. So, um, now. You've got um, a ser-
2: You have a, a, a book, which is a collection of short stories that you've done. Um, well, it's. I'm actually waiting on general reaction to find out if it's a short story collection or a fix-up novel. Okay. Oh. because it's it's a. They're self-contained units, but it's a serialized larger story. True. True, and it's called the
0: the Children of Loki, right? Correct and um, if for those who are fans of like say the Dresden Files, Mm -hmm. uh, you want like it's um, mystery within a fantasy realm, you know, um, uh, this is something that will appeal to you. And I've read um, most all the stories in the series, and um, there are a couple of couple of them that well, let's just say if you know Todd, kind of like I do, uh, you you really get that humor, his humor is like really, really dry, very dry. Like a brut, like a champagne brut. So if you're into that. You know, and I am. You are. Yeah. Um, but I'm just curious as far as when you put these stories together and you're um, like going with the through line of them, what really inspired the, the the arc of the story?
2: Well, there were a couple of things. I, I started this uh, with the one-off idea. It, The first story is actually the second story in the book. It just flows better that way. Uh, You remember when Prince died? Yes. Uh, The airplane stop he had just before the death uh, was actually in my extended neighborhood, which I didn't find out until afterwards because they kept the lid on that. And uh, people were talking about it. And, you know, the running joke was, why are all these musicians dying? And the punchline was, because Keith Richards can't, and Death is having a fit.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there is a running joke with Keith Richards in this. Well, he doesn't. You don't come out and
2: say. Well, it's no, Keith it's Richards. not. It's not yeah. Keith Richards. Yeah, it's not. Right. It's, it's everything's. It's more fun if it's a little more generic. Right. Right. But I, I thought, yeah, you know, this this could be a, a Doctor Strange story. Oh, you know, submitting to Marvel's a pain. You know, actually, this would be a, a Hellblazer story, which is Constantine if you watch the TV or film version. Uh, and that that submitting there would be a mess. Like, ah, you know, screw it. Uh, Let me just write my own thing. And that turned out reasonably well. And about, uh, oh, four or five months later, as the Cubs were gearing up for their World Series run, uh, another idea popped into my head. And that's where Loki first pops up. And that turned out fairly well. And I had a little time on my hands. One of the things I do on the side. I'm actually considered uh, an expert on Kickstarter. They have a, a list of experts on the website. I'm actually on that. And I'd come off running a couple campaigns, and I thought, well, you know, let's see if it's really as hard to kickstart pros as a no-name person as mm-hmm. they say it is. Oh, oh, it is. It's very painful. I got the first batch done, though, and I decided to just fill out the arc. and would alternate between some different uh, subjects and then Loki popping up again. And when you get done with the set of eight, you actually have a, a through point and a coherent story that's, you know, it's a little episodic. It's somewhat like a TV season. If you ever watch Burn Notice, they'll usually start off with something about his background and he's chasing somebody. Oh, down. yeah, yeah. And then they'll go through a, a couple standard uh, for higher episodes and then something will pop up again. Mm-hmm. And it kind of works like that.
0: Now you do talk about the 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 um, story arc with or the
2: story that features the Cubs, but well, you know it, it, it's just a stadium that happens to be cursed by a goat. <laughs> cursed There's by tons go- of those. There can be so many. So of those. Many. Yeah. yeah.
0: And on top of that, though, it's not just about the curse, but it also about the politics that go on in the town where this particular uh, stadium and this particular team happened to be located. And I'm just curious, you know, especially now as we're recording this podcast, uh, we have like 50 Aldermanic seats that are currently being voted on.
1: And 50 people running for mayor. <laughs> I'm wondering
2: how many- You know, uh, you can't write my name in, I don't live here. <laughs>
0: well, <laughs> I'm just curious, how many of the current uh, Aldermanic uh, uh, candidates are on Loki's uh, Loki's radar? Well, Probably at least half of them. Sounds about right. It's there's yeah. a bit there's a bit there's, of a, a political intrigue, is, I guess, to say that. And if anyone it's, who's it's, familiar with the, it's the city
2: council, a, it's a meditation in part on uh, political titles being hereditary, like a crown. And Chicago isn't the only place that uh, has a lock on this. I mean, Kennedys aren't from Chicago. Oh, well, one of them lives here, but uh, man, they just. It gets extreme with some of these aldermen. Whatever happened to now, Todd Stroger, where'd he go? Uh, I'd heard a rumor he was thinking about running for uh, board president again. again. Which, yeah, I I heard that I heard
1: that rumor too. You know, just because we had a a first mayor daily and then a second mayor daily, and we're probably gonna have a third mayor daily, <laughs> doesn't mean most <laughs> titles are hereditary in Chicago. That's,
0: that's called brand recognition, folks. Yes. That's brand because recognition. Because they had a
1: logo, you know, Daily for Mayor, and they just kept reusing just it. it.
0: People get their old buttons. Oh, yeah. look, I can use that one again.
1: Yeah. That's why it's smart. You don't put the year on it. You just put Daily for Mayor, and, and, and there you go. It's recycling. Exactly. <laughs>
0: Well, the thing that also gets me Todd, about what you're doing, you say you've run some Kickstarters. Yeah, like you were trying to figure out how a Kickstarter model would work for being a prose writer. You were doing serialized novels, seeing if you could get um, get the you know a decent amount of funding through Kickstarter. There are other writers who like go through Patreon. There's um, yeah. Since this is go-
1: serialized thing, it almost seems yeah. like that would be something that would fit well, really well with Patreon. To
2: deal with it. Patreon is great if you already have a fan base. They have oh, that's true. very minimal discovery. Uh, you could probably get away with saying they have no discovery for all practical purposes on mm-hmm. that site. Uh, one of the things about Kickstarter is if you get a little bit of momentum, and Kickstarter is very much a success re- reward success platform, but it's easier to get exposure to new people. So what you end up doing is trying to make a run where you – show up on the uh, index page for the various categories. And then also uh, if you can get on the almost funded page, you know, that's the best thing in the world for a Kickstarter because a lot of people will go through and they'll go for the almost funded page. It's like, oh, who can I help get over the hump? Mm-hmm. And likewise, one of the reasons you have a lot of the action the last week of the campaign is people will go to the category pages, and browse, and let's let's see what's almost done. Is this something that's already funded? Okay, then I can just buy this. Is this something that's close? Well, maybe I can help them out. And there is a a fair amount of people wanting to help out an artist on Kickstarter. You really can't underplay that. You did have a successful Kickstarter, too, with your other
0: book, The Economics of Digital Digital Comics,
2: right? Oh, yeah. No, that one was very easy. See, in the comics world, I do have some name recognition. And it was very easy to do promotions for that. I, uh, I think my biggest link in terms of pledges came in from io 9 uh, back when they did a little oh, wow. more uh, comics stuff. They used to, actually, they used to do quite a bit of Kickstarter links three, four years ago. And then shortly after I did the book, they cut back on that a lot. Uh, and that's one of those things where you just get overwhelmed by the submissions. And uh, it's like when people really first started independent publishing, a lot of the newspapers would not cover it specifically because they'd get some knucklehead uh, just yelling at him because they wouldn't run a review of his book. And I've heard actual stories about that, literally yelling, which, you know, it just ruins it for everybody else. Hmm. Yeah.
0: So I know like there are times you've, uh, I'm very fortunate because um, Todd will often walk me through the strategy that he's following for a particular project he's working on and it's like very because I've actually myself thought about doing my own like self-publishing and stuff like that there are a lot of comic book artists who want to do that sort of thing they want to well, um, it's
2: a, a very viable method for comics the the difference between comics and prose uh, the prose fiction section in uh, Kickstarter people don't really browse it a lot it's not broken up into genres comics people don't browse comics for genres so much they just let's go see if there's some comics I want and literally it's a shopping platform there are people who strictly go to Kickstarter and look for comics so it's actually a really good option if you've got a little bit of a following already so you can get the social media going uh, you know the biggest problem to hit Kickstarter is the uh, Facebook throttling of posts Mm -hmm. Uh, nobody can really uh, Concretely prove this, but if you do a little bit, uh, it's pretty obvious to you that you don't get your posts seen as much when you're running a Kickstarter as you used to five years ago. Uh, it's yeah. part uh, of this uh, formula unless you pay for it. Show, oh, this specifically, that's why they don't show it. They would much prefer that uh, you give them some money if you're advertising something that uh, makes money, and that's why they want to shunt authors into uh, author pages, which are Business pages, rather than just going through your own profile. As someone mm-hmm. there, who there's money behind it. I was going
0: to say, as someone who is trying really hard to promote a podcast on Facebook. It's, it's kind of frustrating to see how certain things just don't get seen because yeah. we're putting gold on that page, my friend. I, I know it's we're amazing. Putting gold. Yeah, we got the so, memes, we got the jokes <laughs> we're making with the gold. <laughs> so if, if you
2: want the <laughs> jokes, especially if I, I have a political podcaster next to me. Uh, Should I tell them what happened to me the last week of the Fiction Kickstarter? Oh, please. So the way Kickstarters usually work is you get about half your money the uh, first week. You get about half your money the middle week, and anything in the middle is gravy. Mm -hmm. Now, if you hit your funding level uh, just before the end, that's when you usually start actually making some money uh, because they send out at 48 hours to deadline, emails for anybody who's saved your account. Uh, You get a little email that says, oh, yes, if you wanted this, it expires in 48 hours, and it's a combination of that being the first burst and then you showing up at the top of the chronological view of things that are about to end. Mm -hmm. So 48 hours hits, like, okay, I was real close to the goal. And, I mean, this was pulling teeth, and I wasn't asking for a lot of money because, again, I don't have a profile as a, a writer like I do if I'm talking about the business side of comics. So, yeah, sure enough, some pledges start trickling in, and I hit my goal, and I think, yeah, going to make some money. This is a good thing. And I, I get a trickle that evening, and it stops dead. And I don't have a single other pledge until a couple of uh, my friends that were straggling come in the final morning. And I'm, you know, talking to some other people who run Kickstarters. Have you ever heard of this before? No, man, that's crazy. What's going on? And then finally it hit me what had really happened. You see, I hit the uh, 48-hour market about 7 p.m. The evening that the news about Comey getting fired was leaking out. Oh, that's just bad timing. Yeah, Yeah, and and when I looked at it, uh, the majority of the pledges I had got that evening, the first couple were the U.S., but it was Canada, Singapore, uh, I think it was the Netherlands. They were all foreign overseas, people who didn't care that comey got fired and everybody was paying attention to the political news cycle for two days and whoops it it was excellent timing (laughs) and uh, when i advise people on kickstarters right now one of the things i say is okay you need to have a contingency plan if something crazy happens in the news cycle because the last two years there's been something crazy happening every two weeks Every two weeks? Did you? <laughs> well, to I the think Comey, that's being a little to the, generous. To the Comey getting fired level. Uh, that's true. Yeah. And two weeks is still a lot.
0: <laughs> and it's funny, too, because social media is so intertwined with promoting things these days. Yeah. You know, that's all I ever heard when I was writing for Red Eye, when I was uh, writing for Dynamite, when I was doing my work. And, it, you know, they were saying, you know, get out there on social media, promote, promote, promote. And now these days, it is just so difficult to get anything across um, on social media because of how, well, I'll just say it. Twitter has gotten incredibly toxic as of late.
2: You think? Right it?
0: It's got incredibly toxic. And you've got, of course, you know, Trump, whenever he says something, it's it, it's all about the things he said and retweeting him and people complaining and everyone coming up with their hot takes and blah, blah, blah. And then add to that – um, the Comics Gate guys, who, um, for those who aren't aware, you know, familiar, they're kind of like, you know, the alt right of comics. You could just
1: say like, just trolls in general. Trolls you in know, general, whatever, right. what, whatever you're you're trying to promote, there's gonna, you know, if, they're if a you, little right.
2: more dedicated.
1: Uh, but, that's true.
0: But it's really it's troll marketing, and the the the, the part that kind of frustrates me is that. It works. The troll marketing works. You uh, you have these guys going out there saying things that annoy and infuriate people, and they've got the folks who they're antagonizing just repeating, retweeting, and doing all that. Like There's so much stuff about the Comicsgate movement that I wouldn't have even known if it weren't for the relatively decent people that I follow on Twitter, constantly re- retweeting them and talking about them, mm-hmm. which is like, okay, you're pretty much feeding into that now don't get me wrong i understand like if you are be if these folks are harassing you threatening you that's one thing but just about the trolling and then on top of that get getting them traffic so that books get promoted and uh some of these guys have had kicks tremendously successful kickstarter campaigns
2: How many hundred thousand did Van Gogh ever have? Yeah, it was immense.
0: He he made like a, yeah about five hundred thousand, right? Yeah. I mean, he made so much money that he hasn't he hasn't even felt the need to work on the book.
2: <laughs> you figure if you're printing, you're going to spend half of that, but you know that's still a good year's income for most people. Yeah, so it
0: again that uh, it, it gets me, and that's why again you know one of the things that gets me, Todd. I was just when you're trying to um, adjust for that knowing that something nutty can kind of like kick you kick your legs out from under you um on all and it should be no, be noted that um you you're not ta- this isn't a kickstarter now children
2: are Loki isn't the kickstarter no, it's, I'm, uh, it's on amazon right no i'm trying it this way and seeing how it plays out see when you do a kickstarter everything ends and you don't have the sales entered into the amazon system or the barnes and noble system or any of the bookstores So, one of the general theories is, as you've got uh, cross-sells on these bookstores, if you go in and you get X amount of people buying your book, the machines behind the website will see what similarities you have with other authors and people who buy this, buy that. And then you start showing up in those recommendations. And, in theory, it's a virtuous cycle, but you have to get the people into the system first. Mm -hmm. And if you're selling them directly on Kickstarter, you're not putting them into that system. So I'm trying it this way. Um, One of the questions I have is uh, whether I'm going to continue doing, you know, the short story serials. And, you know, that's something that I could theoretically move over to Patreon first. Uh, I'd want to have a a larger mailing list before I attempted anything like that. Uh, I could do it on Kickstarter's uh, version of Patreon drip. God, they need to change that name. <laughs> <laughs> Kickstarter, if you're listening, rebrand. Uh, but if they'd ever opened that thing up uh, wide, you know, that would be an option too. Actually, if they would have had that for an option when I started this, that's probably what I would have opted for. Um, and there's also the, do you want to be exclusive on Amazon and be in Kindle Unlimited, uh, which I am experimenting with that right now. And it definitely is lifting my profile. Uh, when somebody checks out a book on unlimited, it counts as a sale. So your sales rank goes up, and any visibility that's related to where you are in a category based on sales goes up. Uh, the downside of that is I'm not selling my book on uh, Nook or iBooks over at Apple. Actually, mm-hmm. know, it's Apple Books now. They, uh, they changed the name. Like, Drip should change their name. Right, exactly. If, if
1: Apple could do it midstream, so can they.
2: Don't cross the streams.
1: Yeah.
0: He's like the Tex Winter of of online publishing a little bit yeah well you know
2: tex was the northwestern coach for a while
0: well that's right you did yeah you went to northwestern so uh beyond that i mean like what are what are other challenges that you're you're you find with this or how about this what what are the challenges you would think other uh Writers that are, want to follow in your footsteps. What, what are the things that they're going to face? What are bits of advice you would Starvation.
2: give them? Starvation. <laughs> that would be an issue. Yeah. you, you got to eat, man. <laughs> Starving is bad.
0: Well, because there's so many people out there. They go, I want to write a novel. I want to self-publish. I want to get out there. I know I've, I see so well, many of these novels out there. I'll tell you there.
2: what I did for the launch. This was kind of a last-minute decision because there were some schedules that mixed up at uh, the last minute. But I decided to launch the book on Reddit. Now, some of you may find this a little shocking, what I'm about to say, but I had an entirely positive and supportive experience on Reddit. Really? Yeah, no, I just- So you're the one. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, you're talking about the subreddits.
0: It's that, subreddit. things. yeah. yeah. The,
2: uh, the fantasy subreddit, I just said, hey, we're gonna do a 24-hour sale. Uh, this is my first fantasy book, and it, it is. Most of my other books are nonfiction. Uh, although some people think the bit about Alderman is nonfiction. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Elliot. <laughs>
0: yeah. it well, um, sounded, they, I, names have been changed to protect the not-so-innocent.
2: But. <laughs> but, you know, I, uh, I did that, and I, I searched right up the list. And in about, you know, two or three days, uh, they processed the data, and I had cross-sell pop-up. And, you know, I did a, a minor amount of advertising, for about a week, and you know, I'm still getting sales and uh, unlimited reads, and I'll mm-hmm. probably start in the advertising in a day or two again. Um, I just wanna see, well, what's one burst do? Okay, let's do a little larger burst. And you know, a lot of this is experimentation. There are algorithms involved on the, the Amazon side. Uh, a lot of people think it's just one big method. It, if you've done any, uh, work with uh, the back end of websites there's probably five or six different algorithms that can affect you as an author mm-hmm. uh, the cross sell is the first one the cross sell is basically free advertising uh, you show up uh, oh, what am I cross sell the, the, the one that shows up on my cross sell prominently is a, a book by Evan Winter who was one of the more successful hey look at my first book on uh, Reddit people actually he got a uh, Publisher contract out of that very quickly. But that shows up. So in theory, I might show up somewhere in his cross-sell. People look at that, come over to mine. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing, if you trip the right triggers with the databases, they may send out uh, emails. Oh, you like this book. Here's three others you might like. Uh, again, that's them advertising for you because their data says that people will like your book, too. They might buy it. Everybody wins. Uh, you can get on uh, featured on some pages, and it's just really a matter of uh, running it through and seeing if any of those trip. I'm told that I have four to eight weeks to really get a burst before they go onto the new thing, but you know I'm, We're going to write it out and see where it goes.
1: Now, uh, you know, Elliot just mentioned that there's you know all sorts of aspiring novelists out there. Uh, I've been uh, fooling around with one for. Oh, probably about and five or six you be years now. About fooling around on the radio. That's true. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I've I've gotten it about ninety-eight percent done, and then I'll I'll decide I want to you know like completely rewrite parts of it. You
2: see, you've got some advantages. You have some media platforms. That's true, which gives you a, a way to promote it. Mm-hmm. You know, the best thing you can do. But is, but I
1: think my problem is actually like getting over the hump of. Getting it finished. So See, first,
2: you're fooling around. Now we're talking about humps. You're gonna I get yourself yeah. in trouble, man.
1: <laughs> this, yeah, this think could be a, a problem. The, think of the
2: children. <laughs> well, you know, the, finishing it. Are you? Are you being a perfectionist about it? That would be the first question. Probably to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. One of the great lessons I learned. I was putting up uh, a website for a uh, large medical association that would be. Oh, no, they're over there now. But we're a couple blocks away. And the, the lesson of that was there comes a point in time where it's not worth it fiddling around for the last 3% of perfection. Because you're just going to be spinning your wheels for six months, and it's probably not really going to change that much. Mm-hmm. And there comes a point when you just have to release it into the wild and see what happens. Because how you interpret it while you're writing isn't necessarily going to be how people interpret it when they're reading it. Yeah. And what you like about it, they might like something different. And if they like it, then it's okay. And if they don't like it for a really crazy reason, then you're going to start drinking. (laughs) Start drinking,
0: yes. (laughs) I'm curious. Now, talk about um, getting noticed and having a successful venture. I mean, you, you... are working on getting your book promoted, getting notice, building, um, you know, building a base, building, working on your recognition, and yet a book like *The Martian* comes along, mm-hmm. written by a guy that very few people have heard of. I mean, he serialized no, it. he serialized serial, it online. Yeah. He was giving it away for free, and then somehow gets a motion picture
2: deal out of it. Well, that's because people liked it. When you get uh, people liking it and recommending to your friends. That's, uh, I'll use the old world term for it. That's word of mouth marketing, Mm -hmm. which people call viral now because it's uh, frequently done on Twitter. But when you get people talking, uh, we're getting to be in a world where you can go up to an agent and say, okay, yeah, it's on the web, but we've had 500,000 people read it, a million people read it, whatever. And that's a number that actually means something. Right. Right. Uh, and it's easier to get very large numbers having something free online than it is people actually buying a book. Now, he's done okay with the book numbers once it was collected. Uh, if I remember correctly, he actually started selling the serialized chapters on Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, maybe some other platforms, but definitely Amazon, because there were a number of people who wanted to read it on their phone or on their tablet and didn't like the formatting yeah. of the website when it went
1: and, uh yeah, I mean, to, to the word-of-mouth point, he signed uh, the book deal the day after the movie deal.
2: Well, that does help. Yeah. The, hey, uh, so he
1: probably doesn't have to work again for the rest of his yeah, life. There,
2: there's a, a thread going around with some of the authors. Uh, some of the established guys are starting to sell their audiobook rights before they sell the book to the publisher so they can keep all the audio money. Oh, Yeah and that seems to be a growing concern right now and, and,
1: yeah people have actually told me now this is putting the cart you know way oh, ahead yeah, of the horse yeah. since i haven't even you know finished the first one yet but they've told me that since you know i work in radio and podcasting that i should do that because then i can make my own
2: you know audio book yeah, product. But then it's your fault if it doesn't work that's true do you want to do that to yourself
1: well you, i've you, already
2: started drinking you, so you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you who's really good at uh, narrating audiobooks that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Bronson Pinchot. Really? Yes. Well, that's probably because most people don't recognize his voice. Uh, I happened to listen to a couple different things by him in a row, and the, the reading was good enough because he does actual character work, mm-hmm. and if there's scenery to chew, oh, he'll chew. And, you know, you look it up. Oh, who's reading it? Balky? <laughs> <laughs> and no uh, no he's uh the uh, southern uh, reach uh, trilogy uh, that i think annihilation was the film version he did segments of that because they had different readers for different characters there's a uh a pulp horror series the president's vampire that he obviously had a real good time doing mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's actually really good at this stuff
0: who would you cast for your series? Like, who would you like to be the protagonist and in the, in the supporting cast in, in your series?
2: Oh, see, I don't really have a, a supporting cast. That all changes around. Right. Now, well, you always have, you have characters come and go. Well, the, the safest casting you can do for anything right now is Idris Elba. Ah. Yeah. Because yeah. he can do anything. He's got great mm-hmm. pipes, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know you'll have the ladies show up for the film. Yeah. No, but then so like. It's just guaranteed box office. I
0: like the, mm-hmm. audio, the How about, let's say, the, the narrate the book?
2: Oh, I really haven't thought about that. You know, Pinchot would be great because he, I've seen him do similar stuff, and I know that he could hook on to the sarcasm in it. Oh, okay. The thing with something like this is uh, you have to have somebody who's agile with sarcasm. There was. Uh, you ever read Lawrence Block?
0: It's been a while. but Yeah, it's been a while. I
2: love his Evan Tanner stuff from the 60s, The Spy Who Didn't Sleep. Yeah. And they had a a recording of it that I got out of the Chicago Public Library uh, in the 90s. So this was an 80s or 90s cassette recording. This is pre-CD. A fellow named, I think, Nick Charles, who'd been a Broadway guy. And the one line that he just absolutely nailed that made the book, uh, the spy's been assigned to track down some old Nazis and find out where their gold is. Mm-hmm. And in the course of this, he's having an affair uh, with the uh, old Nazi's daughter. And there's this internal monologue where he keeps saying to himself, she's a Nazi, in the throes of passion, because he's trying not to fall in love. And the, the way that guy would nail the she's a Nazi was just utterly hysterical. <laughs> it's just
0: yell that out in the middle of, you know. Pat, middle of sex.
1: I, yeah, that that would be a new one,
2: um, you know. Well, it was, yeah. was in turtle monologue. But, oh, it was hysterical. <laughs> but you could try, Could it go any worse for you?
0: No, actually, now that I think about it. Not really. Probably not. Probably not. It
2: was, it's I mean, an icebreaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And, uh, <laughs> it would be. So so, what's your what's your advice for anybody who um, you know is looking to get into. Um, Either you know writing or drawing or both, you know, well, in, the, in the, the comics world.
2: There's basically two things. If if you want to do it, you need to just start doing it. Uh, I'm a little weird because since I've you know have a sideline career in journalism, I don't like doing things if I'm not paid first. Yeah, that's that's been my problem too. Yeah, and that's that's why I did the uh, the bulk of this on a Kickstarter because the Kickstarter becomes my advance. But I had to have the first two stories there as samples. Mm -hmm. So you at least have to work up a sample and put it somewhere. It can be online. Uh, Online prose is not as prevalent as online comics. If you want to do comics, just get a website, put it up. Uh, Promoting it is wacky in web comics. Uh, A lot of people sort of... uh, coalesce around various tribes there and they, they circulate. Uh, it's not as easy as just tweeting about it, but just put something up and give people a chance to discover it. Now, if you want to start thinking about uh, things tactically in terms of making a living out of it, the best thing you can probably do, and <laughs> I haven't done this and I'm an idiot for it, uh, is you need to start building up a mailing list. Email. Snail mail's okay, but email. Uh, the trouble with Facebook and Twitter, uh, as we were talking about earlier, is you don't always get seen. There are filters. Uh, you have to stand out among the uh, hubbub of the day, shall we say? Yeah,
1: Michael Cohen may be testifying that day or something. And then there will
2: be 25 Cohen tweets, and then you talking about somebody else. And if people are interested in Cohen, you're just going to go in one, you're out the other, no click, uh, do not collect $200, and you're not even coming Near to pass and go. And, you know, honestly, there's always a possibility we could have legislation on Twitter and Facebook before this is all over. So it's safer if you have mm-hmm. an email list, yeah, emails change over time, but you actually own the list. Technically speaking, Facebook and Twitter own your connections on those platforms. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's been some changes over in Tumblr, so I don't, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> What about um, to take advantage of like
0: let's say the political um, atmosphere? You know, you have web comics out there now that oh, deal yeah. with that. I mean, I don't. You have Mike Norton. He has Little Donnie, which is it's just hilarious. Well, he's
2: got a name for himself. Off yeah, that but one.
0: he's got he, yeah, and he although he he won before for Battle, Battle Pug, Pug. yeah, which uh, 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 I'm getting really nerdy right now. Uh, you, Keith, I don't know, I, I might lose you here, but. How they do not have an Eisner for web comics
2: is beyond me. Well, they have a digital comics Eisner. And sometimes web comics win it, sometimes it's uh, digital download originals. The National Cartoonists Society, and I'm butchering their name, uh, they did eventually put in digital categories. It's just something that takes time. It's like, well, As uh, an independent author, you're just now starting to be able to join the professional writer associations based on this. Uh, I got into the Mystery Writers of America off the Division and Rush comic strip because I got in advance. Uh, At the time, I'm not sure if I would have gotten in if I was doing that on kickstarting. But now, uh, MWA, the science fiction fantasy writers, if you can demonstrate that you have earned X dollars on your own, well, that's the same as in advance, come on in. And it took a number of years and a number of their own existing members moving over to doing things themselves uh, to have that facilitated. It's something that will come in time. So where can people find uh, the children of Loki now? Oh, you can go to any bookstore if you want print. Uh, If you're in Chicago, uh, go bother the people at Quimby's about it. Uh, They should know what it is. Uh, You can go to magicdetective.com, and there'll be links there. If you're looking for digital, it's on Amazon.
1: All right. I feel like we've learned a lot. Uh, I should just uh, foist my novel upon the world and say it's done. And uh, it's helpful to just yell out, she's a Nazi every once in a while.
2: (laughs) The Proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tron.
1: Is that the same cat that walks by, or did I just discover a a glitch in the Matrix?
0: Matrix. Yep.